This is one of the themes that Mark Mazara takes up in Dark Continent. Now, although most people like to see history as a story of progress, and the UN, of course, is keen to say that individual rights are unequivocally better than collective rights, Mazara doesn't necessarily agree. This is what he had to say about collective rights in the context of the Balkan Wars of the 1990s. One of the things that struck me as I was writing this book, I remember it very vividly, the onset of the war in Bosnia in the spring of 1992, Amnesty International published a report on human rights violations in the Drina Valley. Now, from one point of view, that was a great thing to do. There were a lot of them. From another point of view, I remember thinking, this is kind of odd way of talking about this, because it's not as though you can get at this phenomenon by understanding why Mrs Bloggs was beaten on the head and Mr Bloggs was forced out of his shop and so on for another 10,000 cases. You're dealing with collective action against a minority. Why have we substituted for an older language of minority rights this new language of individual human rights, which in fact is obscuring what's going on in Bosnia? And so I started to look into this and I realised that the same reason that it impelled the great powers really connive in what you might call ethnic cleansing after the war, and the expulsion of the ethnic Germans would be part of this, had also led them just to give up on the whole idea of minority rights altogether, because they'd given up on minorities. They had come to the view that minorities, the Germans in particular, had started the Second World War. If they hadn't been minority, Hitler would have never gone in claiming to save the ethnic Germans. And so they quite self-consciously dismantle the whole international legal regime. And there's an interesting little history about that. I've written about it and other people have written about that. And in their place, they create around the UN this very grandiloquent, but at that stage largely verbal and rhetorical, regime of individual human rights. And, of course, the argument at that time is if you have robust individual human rights, you don't need to worry about minority rights. Except it wasn't really true because minority rights had got at a sociological reality, a reality of communities that might want to preserve languages and traditions, that might need protection internationally, that individual human rights did not necessarily get at. And for a long time we just forgot about all of that because the Cold War imposed a kind of stabilisation on Europe. And then suddenly in the early 1990s in Yugoslavia it fell apart. And now I think we can see that that, regime of international human rights that we have grown up with, that's an artefact of the Second World War, was a political artefact, which is not to discredit it. It's not to say it has no value and no meaning and that it's not virtuous, but it's also to say, ah, let's look at its limitations. Let's look and see what purposes it serves, what situations it speaks to, and what situations it's silent about. And that, I think, was important too, that the war replaced a certain regime of international law with another regime of international law. And both of them had strengths and weaknesses. It wasn't a, uh, simply a story of progression from darkness to light. <laughs> 